Good afternoon and welcome to the debut edition of the Georgia 2022 by the Georgia Record and CDM.press or CD Media. Uh, I am the co-host or I'm the host today, my co-host uh, Christine Dolan, who is formerly from CNN back in several decades ago where she started Inside Politics. So she really knows how polit political shows should go. Uh, and, and, and that was back when CNN was a real journalistic uh, organization. That's I'm not right. in the studio today. I'll be back. Uh, I'm in Miami, actually. Christine, you're in Delaware. Is that correct? I'm, no, Maryland, I'm in Maryland. Maryland. I'm in Maryland. So, so uh, I'll be back in the studio next week. And this is going to be part of our national coverage where we're going to go to multiple jurisdictions around the United States, uh, locales, and really report through the election from the grassroots political level. So you'll see us in different places around the country, and we'll bring more information on that uh, as we develop it. Uh, today we have a, a packed show, a uh, fantastic guest. Uh, we're starting off with Herschel Walker in a few minutes, who's running for the Senate seat in Georgia against Raphael Warnock. We'll be followed by Richard Barris, who is the uh, who has a longtime relationship with CD Media. Most people don't know he designed our websites, and he now is running George, our big data polling. And uh, he'll be talking about the poll we did in Georgia months ago and how it relates to the recent polling that came out showing about the same results with Herschel Walker in the lead above Warnock, about four points. And we'll be followed by Garland Favorito, who's a, a longtime guest of, of CD Media on multiple shows and uh, an expert in Georgia election integrity politics. So he'll round out the show. So Christine, you, you were talking to me before we started about what a political show should really be and what were the most important issues to discuss. So tell us what you think this show should uh, bring to the Georgia public. Well, Todd, you know, back in, in uh, the 80s when I was at CNN, uh, I created a show called Election Watch 84. And, and that was in those days, we were non-union. Uh, uh, Kirkland at a AFL-CIO was in a war with Ted Turner because we were non-union. Uh, and we had a lot of critics. People objected to the CNN at the time. They didn't understand 24 hours news. We had a lot of repetitions of shows. And I decided to do a Saturday show where we would actually include reporters from local places like uh, John Margolis, who was in Chicago Tribune. He would be on our show prior to the Illinois primary. Uh, and and we, we, we booked the critics. And the truth of the matter is, and I said it at the time, I, because we were not able to get an interview with Walter Mondale whose office, our office at that point in time was on Wisconsin Avenue. We were a block and a half away from the Mondale campaign. They didn't want to meet with us. And it was a big bruja uh, inside CNN at the time. And uh, basically it was because we were non-union. And I discovered that story because Walter was promised to sit with us for an interview with Bernie Shaw out in the Iowa caucuses and walked right by Bernie Shaw and the anchor booth that we had after he was interviewed with Brokaw at NBC. So I decided that we needed to shift our paradigm and we needed to bring in the critics and bring in the print uh, journalists at the time. And so we did that. And that was for every Saturday that we were there um, before we went in on the campaign trail. And then in 1987, I decided that we needed to up the game because it, it was clear to me that the American public did not understand the difference between a primary and a caucus. So the thrust of inside politics was to bring the public on the inside. 
let them see what happens in the process and let them see uh, how the how the calendar plays out. Because most of the most of the reporting up until that time was focused on the results on the primaries and the caucuses. It was the, it was what the coverage was at the Democratic and Republican conventions and then election night. And I thought it would be good to have the first half hour political show for, that brought the public on the inside. So how I see our coverage this year is clicked into what has been really happening in the last two years. The American public understands, not the process as much, but they understand when they smell corruption. They don't know how corruption works. They don't know what has been going on. But what you and I have both seen, in the, especially in the last year and several months, being on the ground, covering um, state to state, talking to people on the ground level, there is a groundswell. And we've met these people that are the activists, people that have never been involved with any type of political uh, engagement whatsoever. And they are organized. It's not just the school boards. It's not just CRT. It's not just the sex education. People are trying to break into the system who have never been in the system. They've never been engaged politically. And those are the people, we're gonna bring the faces of those people forward and let people know what's really going on. Because the, the one thing I think that most everybody knows is there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change in how people are represented, whether it's on the federal level in Washington, DC, which we all know is broken or whether it's on the state level. And the corruption is there. The one thing that I, I remember after 2020, the night of the election in 2020, I was stunned that Maricopa County was called by Fox News because two weeks before that, I was on a conference call and this was with reporters and there were two people from CNN, two people from Fox, two people from AP. And the discussion among everybody was, how are we going to cover the 2020 campaign because of the influx of this mail-in votes? And the decision was that people were saying, we just have to tell people to hang on. We're gonna, you know, we may not have the results that night. We're gonna have to wait and see what happens. And the guy that was from Fox, when they called, it was, was a absolutely adamant about this. Everybody was in agreement. It was going to be a different type of uh, coverage of reporting on election night in America. And then the bell rang when they reported Maricopa County in Arizona. Now, not everybody in America understands the significance of that, but for somebody who has called the races on election night or called the races on primary night, with Hal Bruno at ABC News before I was at CNN or at CNN. Maricopa County could not have been called. That's when my red flag went up, but everybody kind of rolled over and went with it. Nobody went back and said to Michigan and everybody at Fox, wait a minute, you guys were on this call and you said that you weren't going to do it that night. What happened? That was a red flag. So in the weeds of the election integrity, everybody took sides. Yeah. They took sides, but the one thing that I that blew my mind was the fact that people were saying on the on the cables and on the networks, "Oh, this was a clean election. 
The truth of the matter is there are no clean elections. There's always voter fraud. There's yeah. voter fraud my entire life in 40 years of covering politics. My, my first case of voter fraud was North Carolina, Walter Jones, Congressional District 1, uh, years and years ago. And so this, this, this time around, we're going to take a look at what are the people doing at the bottom and how they're going to affect change. Because the one thing that I have seen when we've done our American conversations in town halls across the different states and also just talking to people in the states, it's not it's not the apparatus. It's not the, the state chairs uh, on both sides that have the organizations in the states. It's the people that are outside of the system that now want to get back. They want to get into the system and they're yeah. striving hard to do it. And they're running up against and it doesn't matter whether it's a Democratic machine or whether it's the Republican machine in the states, but these people—I mean, God love them. These are Americans, and so we're gonna we're gonna give our audience a full thrust of what's going on across the states. You know, this entire primary season. So, uh, you know, on the morning of November fourth, I think uh, Georgians woke up to realize their state was one of the most corrupt in the country, and it wasn't just the Stacey Abrams crowd that was printing ballots, uh, you know, in Fulton County and elsewhere. It was the GOP who basically enabled this fraud with, with the consent degree and, and other things. I'm going to read a quick uh, sponsor uh, piece, and then we'll bring in our first guest, Herschel Walker, because I see he's there. All right. But uh, the the Justice Society is an organization that trains Davids to beat Goliaths. Michael Doherty is the founder of the Justice Society. He was formerly president and CEO of LabMD. He did lab work for cancer patients, and he founded the lab in 1996. Then in 2008, he was attacked by the U.S. government when a cyber criminal weaponized by the FBI and stole data from his company. For years, Doherty hounded the FTC to bring the brink to the brink of destruction. Hounded was hounded by the FTC to the brink of destruction. He spent most of the next decade defending his company against the charges. However, years later, he ended up beating the FTC in court, and he wrote a book called "The Devil Inside the Beltway," which you can find everywhere. In doing so, he's become the only litigant to challenge the FTC's basic authority. Every one of 2,200 litigants before him, including some of the largest companies in the world, have settled and creating an unquestioned and untested belief the FTC has brought authority to regulate these areas. What Doherty went through inspires him to educate others on how unspeakable corruption inside the government uh, and how these investigators are corrupt and how to fight them and win. The Justice Society is in its early stages. It's a 501c3 is in critical need of funds to staff the organization to litigate against the and to educate those who find the feds and other huge bullies at their doorstep, training David to beat Goliaths. So now I want to bring in Herschel Walker. Hello there. Hi, Herschel. How are you guys doing? I'm fine. I, I, I move over this way. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks for thanks for joining us. No, Herschel. you guys are welcome. Well, you know, Herschel, you you've got uh, you are a hometown, uh, home state Georgia boy. You're a star in your own right with football and business and everything else. And the first thing I want to ask you, because you know, football's a contact sport, politics is a bloody contact sport. So, what was the the epiphany moment when you decided to get into the game and take on the take on the Senate race? Well, yeah, you know, it was strange because you know I, I love the state of Georgia. I always have and. And, you know, with all my family and everybody here and, and seeing what was going on in this, in this state, in this country, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a praying man. Uh, you know, my mom brought me up in the church. As a matter of fact, my mom is a minister. 
Mm. I have two sisters that's ministers and two brother-in-laws that's a minister. And, you know, I've found the America's dream. And, and, and I think right now we have leaders in Washington. We have also some of our entertainers that are trying to take that America's dream from, from, from everyone in America. You know, right now we want to put America second. You know, we have totally went against what we uh, people have died for is the freedoms and liberties that America has. And, and I just couldn't sit back and not say nothing when I know I have a voice that I think I can speak louder when you have the media trying to cancel you out. You have so many, you have no avenues that you can get the word out. And I, I think my voice can speak louder than, than most people. Did you, when you, when you gave thought to getting into this race, did, did you pray with your family? I did. I prayed with my family. You know, I, 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 most all major decisions I ever made, I go into prayer. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we first went into prayer with Pastor Tony Evans and uh, we prayed for a while. You know, I, uh, you know, I was happy. My life was going well. My business was starting to really get back on track, you know, after the pandemic and everything. And, but, you know, uh, too much is given, much is to re be received. Uh, you know, uh, so many people have helped me out. So many people helped me out. But then, I mean, you start seeing like the separation. They're talking about race. They're talking about color. They're talking about, you know, all of these crazy things. You look at our border right now. And it's like uh, everyone is pointing fingers. Nobody want to take the, take the credit for trying to solve things. Now, guys, you know what? We're going to make mistakes, but right now I'm making the mistakes to open up the border. It's not one of them. We should uh, go by the laws we have in place right now with the border and try to get the border under control. And then, you know, you see what's going on with the, the food chain, not the food chain, but the supply chain. Uh, you see what's going on with the energy independence and everything. And, and but they're blaming everyone else. Well, I think you got to blame this administration. You know, people got to look back and say, wait a minute, things were going well a couple of years ago. And people, you know, right now it's so partisan. Everyone, because you're a Democrat, you're so wrong, you're a Republican, you're so right, and this and everyone is fighting. Well, I'm trying to bring people together. You know, that's one thing I have is uh, I think I can bring people together. I know it from being on a team. I know it from uh, in my company is that you got to be on one page. Uh, we're the greatest country in the world, and the reason we're, we're the greatest country in the world is uh, we have a lot of great minds that we put together. Most of these countries are one mindset. That doesn't work. It's never have worked in history. Right now, God has put a lot of different minds in one pot and he came up with this country called the United States of America. And the reason we were so powerful is because we had everyone having a voice. Right now, they're trying to shut you down. <laughs> Pardon me. Don't you find this extraordinary in this day and age? At the, you know, We're into the 21st century. The canceling, the attacks the destruction. I mean, it's not just people are trying to, to, it's not just criticizing, disagreeing, but it's also the attacks. Herschel, you've been attacked. You've also been raised up because uh, Donald Trump has endorsed your campaign. Um, you're, you're up against Warnock, uh, who's newbie to the, to the Senate in a special election. And do you, do you feel that you, people are listening to you when you're out on the road and you're making your rounds and attending your events? Well, I know people are listening to me. I think you can look at it and see it in the polls. I think mm -hmm. you can look at it and see it in my fundraising. People are listening to me because I'm giving them something that uh, that they want to hear. And they know they know the way that when I tell you something, I'm going to go out and try to do it. I don't need another feather in my cap. I don't, I don't want to go to Washington and try to make friends and hang out in country clubs. That's not Herschel Walker. I don't do that. I'm a guy to get the job done. And that's the reason I decided to run. It doesn't matter about the attacks. I said, what's happening right now is bigger than Herschel Walker. 
you know, and people forget people uh talked about me playing football when I, you know how long ago I played football. <laughs> you know, I haven't had pants on in back years. in the 80s. Yeah, way back in the 80s. Right now, I'm I built country country uh, companies. You know, I I know how to put people to work, I know how to help people, I know how to mentor people. I've you know, I've worked at uh, military bases trying to move the stigma of mental health. I'm not afraid to touch touch your subjects. You know, am I gonna know everything? No, I'm not, but they don't know everything either, or I wouldn't be running for office if they knew everything. I think that is the problem. Right now, we got to first put people that love the Constitution. I'm totally shocked right now that we have people that do not like this country negotiating contracts for us in our defense. You know, this is security. This is national security. We have people negotiating for the United States of America. One of the most powerful of any free country out there. We have somebody negotiating for us. And, you know, that's because of our leadership. Do you do you what do you I mean, let's talk about your polls, uh, the, the the poll that I read recently, you you are beating um, Warnock. Well, I am. But, you know, uh, and what I try to do is not go by polls. I said I said I still got to play the game. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like being a Monday night quarterback sitting on the couch telling people how to play. I still got to get out there and I got to play the game. He's the guy that's in the Senate right now. I want to remove him. I also want to remove the people in my primary. You know, they can say what they want to say. But I am fit and I'm ready to win this seat because I need to be in this seat. Right now, I've earned the right to be here. You know, the things I've, I've gone through, the things that I've done. And right now, because I love this country, everyone said that they love this country until they get to Washington. And then they forget about it. They forget about that they work for the people. They don't work for themselves. One of the things I want to do is I want to get out and I want to help kids. You know, right now, we're trying to decide what is a woman. Are you serious? We're trying to decide what is a woman. And let's 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 say, hey, what is all the feminists out there? Where are they? I can tell you what a woman is written in the Bible. I've seen it in the Bible. There's only two. There's man and woman. So we need to get that straight. So we don't need to be out there trying to decide that. We're trying to change the English language. What do you go by? Well, I go by a man. I'm a man. I'm him. You know what? Why are we deciding things like that when we got people that don't have food on the shelf? Gas prices going out of the roof. Can't even afford to go to work. People are not working. And I'm like, guys, it's time for this to stop. It's time to bring some adults in the room and say, no, this is not what's going to happen. And that's the reason I decided I'm going to run, because I want to be one of those adults that's not afraid to tell the people the truth. Go ahead, Ted. I was going to ask you, you know, people getting out to vote is obviously critical. And in the last election, we may have lost the Senate because people didn't vote. How do you what do you tell people that that are concerned their vote won't count? In this election, you know what I try to tell people. I remember uh, Coach Russell. Coach Russell, God bless him. He, he coached at the University of Georgia. Mm -hmm. When we decided to uh, uh, try to go for the national championship, he made his big T-shirt uh, that it said "Big Team" and "Little Me," meaning that uh, when we win as a team, we all win. Well, that's what I think I need to let the people know right now. When Georgia wins, we all wins. When the United States wins, we all wins. When individual wins, everyone loses. I think that's what's happening right now is people didn't get out to vote because someone may have had sour grapes or they may have been upset with someone over here. And I'm like, guys, you know, Trump tweets, hey, what, what's going on in this country? Those, those tweets couldn't hurt you that bad as what's hurting us right now at the gas pump. Those tweets couldn't hurt us right that bad as stuff happening that there's no food on the shelf. And people do not know right now in, our, in uh, Ukraine, do you know they produce most of the wheat and the grain and wheat and corn that we have? And Russia yeah. produce a lot of the fertilizer. Those are things that we need to uh, expand this country. Well, we've given them the right to do it because they have the facility to do that. 
We need to now become self-efficient. Quit worrying about me, 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 and worry about us. And what I mean by that is worry about this country. Don't worry about your skin color. You know, don't worry about your skin color. Your skin color got nothing to do with it. Because I'm going to be honest, 23 and me has screwed us all up. We don't know what we are, but it really don't matter. What we are, we're Americans, and we need to think like an American and believe in America. Herschel, how do you feel about people that want to change America from when you and I were kids? I mean, I mean, there's, you know, we have, I guess it's 80 to 90 or 70 to 80 million people in America that were born after 1990. So these are kids who, you know, who grew up, you know, when they were 10 years of age with the, with the real beginning of the computers and the internet at home. So they don't know the world that we know pre-internet. They don't know that the bullying was not really, we may have been bullied when we were kids, you know, in a class or teased and things like that, but not, not the type of culture that these kids have with the internet today. What do you say to those kids and those young people that are voting? Well, first of all, they don't know that the grass is not green on the other side, that they think they're somewhere better. And if they know another place that's better than the United States of America, my thing is, why don't you go there or tell me, let me know who that is, because I can tell them right now that's not. I think our biggest problem is we've not shown our kids that most of the people today hadn't earned the right to change America. And what I mean by that, there are people that have died or not given their life up. There are people that have given their life up for this flag. They've given this life up that, for this national anthem. They've given their life up for our freedom and this liberties that we have in this country today. And we're taking it for, for, for granted. Well, I don't want that to happen. And I'm saying, and I'm not being tough. I'm saying, if you know a place better, you go there, but you lose your citizenship here in the United States of America. And then when you come back, you got to come back legally, like we should be defending the border. People need to come into this country legally. And that's the way this country is built. And then why are we... So the country that always supposed to be so given, given, given. Right now we're giving so much money that our dollar is going down. Do people know as we print more money, the, the value of the dollar goes down. The more money you print, the more uh, the value goes, uh, the dollar goes down. Well, sooner or later we're gonna have these other countries that we're gonna be beholden to. And I can guarantee you, we do not want to be beholden to any of these countries out there. When yet we have, we can get it done right now, and we get strong leaders in Washington that's going to do the right thing, that's not going to sell the people out. And I mean the people, meaning the people of the United States of, of United States of America and the people of Georgia. You know, the guy I'm running against, Raphael Warnock, he's voted almost 90, 98% with Biden. Almost 98% with Biden. And you see where we're at. You know, I don't need to just start naming what, what has happened to this country. It is a shame that we seem to be putting America second. And I can tell you what, I'm not second. No one in America is second. You know, too many people have died to put us where we're at today to be throwing it away by putting bad leaders in Washington. They're not leaders for the United States of America. They're not leaders for Georgia. Herschel, in Washington, it's a problem on both sides. How, how are you going to deal with corruption on both sides? Well, the way I'm going to deal with them, hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. Even in the great uh, Garden of Adam and Eve, God told them, in this place, you have total freedom to do whatever you want to do. But if you touch this tree or eat from this tree here, you will surely die. They have responsibility. We have to hold people responsible responsible for their action. And right now, that's what's so sad. What's good for me is not good for thee. That is not that's not correct. We can't do that. We can't have leaders like that. We gotta have leaders that have to and you break the law, you go to jail. If you do the wrong thing, things need to be happening. 
You know, we cannot just let people get away by doing this to this country and to our, to this, uh, to our, to, to the, you know, one thing I, I said, uh, you know, I, I visit almost over 480 some bases all over the United States of America and the world. And they take an oath. I would defend this country, the United States of America, with my life, foreign and domestic. When you go to office, you take an oath. I would defend the Constitution. Well, you have people now not defending the Constitution, but nobody's saying anything about it. That is an oath that they take. Well, where are, the, where are the adults in the room that said, wait a minute, if you're not doing this, you got to step out. We got to get better messaging. We got to get people that's not afraid to start calling people on things that they do. What do you think? What do you think uh, just in recent days, if you were in the Senate, uh, and I'm not going to ask you how you would vote for, for Judge Jackson. I'm going to, I want to, because you, you probably didn't have time to watch all the, all the, the hearings that I did. But I want to ask you about what do you think about uh, packing the, the Supreme Court well, you know, I know the Supreme Court hold, you know, the, we can't pack the Supreme, Supreme Court to begin with. But first of all, you know, one of the biggest problems we have is when our leader, when our leader came out at the very beginning and said he was going to elect a black female vice president, then we're going to elect a black female, someone for the Supreme Court. Why don't you elect someone that's great for the job? Doesn't have to be the color. You know, I think that's more racist than anything, but people yeah. won't call it out. Well, I'm going to call it out. I'm going to call out racism. You know, that's something a lot of my opponent in the, in, the, in the primary can't do. They don't want to touch racism. Well, we got to call it out because right now that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with right now telling a white kid, you know what, you've taken advantage of the black blacks. You're so uh, oppressed that you can't do anything. You know, they've taken advantage. No, that's not true. In America, everyone has a chance. Do it. Is it more difficult for some African-American? Yes, it is. It is more difficult. Is it harder for you to work? Yes, it is. But you know what? You can still get it done. What you have to do is put your nose to the grind. You get out there and you grind. You make it happen. You know, it, it can't do it in any other country. You know, the NFL football is not played in any other country but the United States of America. Even the Europeans come to here to play the NBA. In Major League Baseball, most other people from other countries come here to play. Actors and all that. All this American dream is found here in America. But yet, we're trying to separate people because what they do, they get you thinking about all this stuff that has nothing to do with anything as they pass these ridiculous bills by you that you don't notice they're passing. Right now, this election is getting ready to come up. So they're going to be coming out with things. But I want people to know in the state of Georgia, get out and vote for Herschel Walker because I'm going to get and get it done. You know, I'm not going to let them try to fool me that said that because I'm black, I can't get an ID. And I want everyone in the state of Georgia to hear this, hear, hear it clear. Herschel Walker want to help anyone today to get an ID if you don't have an ID. If you don't have an ID, my, my campaign office is going to help you to get an ID because when you come to the polls, I'm everyone to have an ID so we can get the votes done. And then you know what? Lines. I'm sorry about lines. Everyone's standing in line. I don't want to say Disney World because now I can't believe what they're doing either. Then you stand in line at Six Flags. You stand in line at the grocery store. Lines is just a part of life. You know what? I'd rather stand in lines to vote then to stand in line at somewhere trying to get food because these other countries, that's what they have people doing. They're standing in line trying to get food because they don't have food. Well, right now, I'd rather stand in line to vote because that's one of the most precious things you have. Let me ask you about race, Herschel. You know, I grew up in Georgia and Savannah, and then I went in the military, and, and I don't remember really a racial problem. I, people in the North don't realize people in the South get along, you know, and, and, but I'm, I'm worried that that's going backwards. 
I mean, do you feel that in Georgia? Oh, no, there's no doubt it's going backwards. It's mm -hmm. totally going backwards because it's right now, you know, they're bringing up this the crypto race theory right now. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's what's so sad, you know, and, and it's going backwards that we've come so far that we've taken that step back. And, you know, one thing that I, I said, people, do you know, before I got to the University of Georgia, the first black players, they were 10 years, and Hurst Walker came and won a Heisman Trophy. So that tells you that we're advancing. And what I have to do, Herschel Walker has to do is continue to help that advancement happen. And the way I do it right now is by getting in the Senate seat so I can fight for all the right things we're supposed to be doing, which America was doing it. This was so funny. Do you, people know that we're one of the newest countries of any countries out there. We're one of the newest. But yet our advancement is so far because of all this. You know, like, guys, you know, do we have racism? Yeah, we have some. We have hate. Some people have hatred in our heart. There's some things that, I, that is not right, but we can solve it together. And that's what I keep talking about. I want to bring people together. You know, where I grew up with that racism, you know, that may have been, I didn't know, you know, when I was little, there was a lot of racism. And I, mm -hmm. I remember, I know what racism is. I went through it. When I was little, I went through it when I was in high school. But you know what? We've advanced far past that right now. And right now, what we have to do is continue to fight what's going on, which I think is just a few people that are doing that, just to get people upset, to get people angry. But what we have to do as people, the majority of the people have to stand up together and fight. Herschel, thank you for your uh, time. This is. Do you have anything else to ask, Christine? No, I just want to say thank you, Herschel. I want you to come back. I hey, want you thank to you, guys. Tell everyone. Go to Team Herschel. Let's change this country. Let's change Georgia because we're going to do what's right, and I'm going to fight. What's, what the is your, what's your website again? Yeah. Uh, it is TeamHerschel.com, and I want people to go and, and contribute. Come and, and uh, you know, you can come and volunteer, but I also want people to get out and vote. You know, my primary is coming up May 24th, and early voting is May 2nd. I want people to get out, and I want everyone to get out and vote. I want everyone to get out and vote who's legally to vote. And vote for Herschel Walker. Cast that that for Herschel Walker, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work for you. Thank you, Herschel. We'll have you back on hopefully down the road as your candidate. Hey, thank you guys. God bless. Take God care. God bless too. Christine, now I want to bring on Richard Barris, who most people don't yes. know actually designed the CD Media website. So he's been involved with us for a long time behind the scenes. Welcome, Rich. Hey, buddy. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me back, Todd. Uh, thanks for coming on. So. We did some polling uh, at CD Media with the big data polling a few months ago, which kind of has been verified by what you're seeing recently. Can you go into what's happening in Georgia, you know, election-wise? Yeah, you just had on uh, Big Mo right there. He's got the momentum. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so I think when we went in there too, Todd, I think a lot of pollsters, aside from the nonsense, they suffer from a response bias. And they try to they, they struggle to get a hold of what the electorate will look like and the mood it's going to have and how people's preferences are going to shift over time. And I don't think now we're seeing the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the Emerson poll came out last week. They have uh, Herschel up by four or five. I don't think they're catching. I, I don't think that they're catching him moving up, up anymore. Uh, maybe a point or two. I think he was leading by that amount when we polled it two months ago, mm -hmm. and they're just starting to catch up because that's a typical response bias. When we looked at Herschel Walker's strengths, he was um, leading everywhere outside of the Atlanta metro area. Even in the metro suburbs, he had a slight lead over Warnock, which is, I mean, you just can't beat that if you're a Democrat. 
you have to do better in those burbs uh, outside of Atlanta and outside of uh, Savannah in the southeastern part of the state. And Herschel Walker was very popular. That is a good a good name there. The voters of Georgia like him. Uh, so when it came to him or Warnock, I, I mean, of course, Georgia's a battleground. I think it it doesn't uh, lean blue. I don't think we're there yet. It is a battleground, but at the same time, you know, you look at this this midterm cycle. It's going to favor Republicans. You have somebody as strong as Herschel. You know what I say to Raphael Warnock is, uh, you know, good luck, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's an uphill battle for you. Incumbency be damned. What are Warnock's? Uh, I guess what are his weaknesses? You know, he's he's going to get clobbered in rural Georgia. We know that, but. Uh, it, it really does depend on on that margin uh, to help offset some of the Atlanta and other urban areas. Warnock is not doing as well against Herschel Walker as John Ossoff, for instance, or even Warnock himself uh, did against Kelly Loeffler and Ossoff did against Purdue. Uh, he's yeah. he's not he's also doing much better in the rural areas than a generic Republican or either of those two candidates did. His rural margins look a lot like Trump margins, but his suburban margins are, uh, you know, what I would say is kind of a revert to the mean, you know, before pre-Trump in the suburbs, uh, how voters uh, tended to vote during midterms anyway, you know, for Republicans. Right. So, you know, Warnock just couldn't hold on to that slightly, you know, democratic swing in areas like that around the country. He can't hold on to it. So, and his weakness, by the way, also is that he's doing worse among black voters than he did against, um, against a Loeffler, which is really, look, let's be honest. It's no surprise. Uh, Walker's a football hero. He's a businessman. He's, he's a role model. There's no other way to put it. He's a role model. All right. Kelly Loeffler's husband, uh, you know, was a, was a wall street cat, uh, you know, embroiled in, in, by the way, embroiled in a scandal along with Purdue, uh, during those runoffs, uh, insider trading that neither one of them refused, uh, to answer. So I think both of those democratic candidates that cycle got this anti vote. It wasn't a vote for them. And then also, uh, there was, uh, definitely depending on the turnout model, two to 400,000 Republicans that did not show up. They were mad about the recall, uh, or about the recount, excuse me. They were mad about 2020, what happened in November. They were mad Purdue and Loeffler didn't sign on until it looked like they needed Trump's voters. Voters right. aren't stupid. They know fake when they see it. And they told us. It was very clear. Wasn't it surprise to anybody who, who did a good job? It wasn't a surprise. They said, this time, we're not holding our noses. This time, I'm either not going to vote. Um, and that's what they did. How do you see the polling this time? Do you, have you done any work as to have that perception changed? Do people, are they going to come out to vote or are they still bitter? What, what do you think? There are some people that are bitter. Uh, Todd, in a state mm -hmm. like Georgia, there may be some worry there because, you know, they tackled this issue. And uh, some people who are on the election integrity side of this argument would love to see Donald Trump get his hands a little dirtier during the actual legislative process. Uh, there were some wins in that bill. You know, Zuck Bucks are going to be obviously uh, that's not going to be it's not legal anymore. So mm -hmm. you can't give money uh, to urban areas and, you know, rural areas be damned. You're, you're on your own. You get money for drop boxes, but rural America doesn't. That's not allowed anymore. So there are some wins. There are some losses, though, expanding uh, certain voting methods that aren't strongly verifiable. So, you know, I think and in the end, though, when we're polling it, 
we're just seeing two different environments. Hmm. Democrats are in trouble. Uh, there, there's this is not the same environment that we were polling before 2020, and there is bitterness. I just don't see it at the level, um, you know, that we saw mm-hmm. in November, but then, of course, in you know, a month or two after. What are you seeing in terms of Stacey Abrams' machine? Is is it becoming less effective? You know, I think part of that machine relied on some of the apparatus being corruptible, exploitable. And at the end of the day, she did a very good job, you know, convincing big Democratic donors she could win the state of Georgia if she just had millions and millions of dollars for voter registration drives. That was not true. It never was. Uh, You know, the Democrats gained in Georgia because there has been growth in the Atlanta metro. It's not the same state that it was four years ago, six years ago. It's just, uh, you know, Mitt Romney probably wouldn't have won that state either at this point. Now, Stacey Abrams needed, you know, and there are people like me who identified their activists on Twitter engaging in illegal activity. There's, you know, I don't care what the media says, uh, ballot harvesting in the state of Georgia is illegal. You're allowed to rectify ballots that have been challenged. You have a certain amount of time to do that. You are not allowed to do it yourself. You're not allowed to go grab the ballot and fix what you think is wrong yourself and hand it back in. You're not allowed to use third party. uh, This is why there were so many chain of command issues. You're not allowed to have third party people uh, collecting ballots, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. There's been numerous things that we we could cite. Uh, But in the end, she does have an apparatus built up. The problem is you still have to have a close election. You know, maybe you get out the vote operation like that is good for a few points. So instead of Walker drumming uh, Warnock by nine or 10 or eight or 10. He, you know, Walker wins by five or six. I mean, in the end, at the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. You know, they couldn't put, they had some good get out the vote operations in Northern Virginia. They couldn't put McAuliffe over the edge. Could they get it closer than what we thought it would be? Yeah, we polled uh, for CD Media in Virginia as well, but uh, we knew that uh, Youngkin was going to eke it out. Um, So I think when you just have an, an environment this bad, and it is bad. And I don't really see anything that's going to change in the future uh, to make it better. Right. As I was waiting for the interview, I was going over the year of employment status uh, data. And everyone keeps talking about Democratic talking points about what a strong labor market it's been. I think people, when I put this out, are going to see over a year's worth of data we collected. Employment really didn't go up or down one way or the other. What changed was how many people were looking for full time work maybe had a part-time job, how many people left the labor force. So that's so you're saying that basically they just dropped out, of the, dropped out of the labor force is what you're saying. It made yeah, the, the labor force better. shrank. Yeah. The labor force yeah. shrank, Todd. And and interestingly, we've heard a lot of the same excuses we heard under the Obama term, which was, you know, there's just a lot of boomers leaving the workforce. There's so many people retiring and we'll show, you know, conclusively that's really not the case. That doesn't explain this. This is, there are still millions and millions of people who never went back to work. So Rich, let, let's talk about the big elephant in the room, the uh, Kemp and Purdue. What, what do you see yeah. there? Yeah, I think, uh, and I can't wait to get back into this race to see mm-hmm. what's going on and get, get an updated, uh, you know, bird's eye view here. Really get really forget about bird's eye. Well, get we, down we hope to it. do another CDM big data poll soon on Georgia. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't wait because Todd, mm-hmm. you remember uh, the one who really benefited from Trump's endorsement was Vernon Jones, and there were mm-hmm. other candidates. When we asked, 
What if Donald Trump endorsed him? Then who would you vote for? Her? Who would you vote for? It really didn't matter if the candidates were candidates that Trump voters didn't like. You know, they kind of sat back and said, you know, with all due respect, Mr. President, we're going to vote for somebody else. Okay. We love mm-hmm. you, but we're going to vote for somebody else. So it didn't help Kemp. It didn't help some of these other people. It did help Vernon Jones because the Trump base liked him. I do, though, see danger in the poll we did for you, but then also in the newer newer polling that has come out uh, with others as well. Kemp has a lead, but his approval rating is soft, and it's really soft when you look inside the numbers. A lot of Democrats are propping Kemp up. Are they going to vote for Kemp when it comes down to Election Day? Of course not. They're going to vote for their own nominee. So there's a quarter of the party who can't stand this guy at least. Uh, and I mean, really can't stand. Don't dislike him. Cannot stand his guts. You're talking about the GOP. So, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. his own yeah. party. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a danger. And look at, you know, the Emerson poll doesn't surprise me. He got 43% in the first round with the crowded field, then matched against Purdue. Purdue soared about nine points. He went nowhere. So what that tells me is his, mm. appro- his approval rating, which is about 42%, is about his ceiling with the vote. And I know that head to head, he beat Stacey Abrams and, you know, so did David Perdue in the end. Now I'm talking about if he doesn't get above 50% in this first round, pit it up against David Perdue, he's probably going to lose. You know, I want to get in there and see it myself because I trust myself more than I trust anybody else. But, you know, when Emerson says, who are you going to vote for? And he's at 43 and then it's a two-way matchup and they ask again and he goes nowhere and stays at, you know, roughly the same percentage. Uh, that's a problem. He's an incumbent governor. That should not be happening right. if, if he was popular. So uh, tens, you know, primary electorates, guys, they tend to end up being uh, filled with more people who are fiercely opposed to something than those who are for. And if you have an incumbent at 42%, 43%, and the rest of that electorate just cannot stand him, uh, then they, it, in the end, Purdue's going to benefit from that more than he is. Rich, what are you seeing in terms of the COVID policies having an effect on any of these races? Yeah, in the primary? yeah I do, I, you know, it's, it's funny because I do see some people attempting to bring COVID back to loosen again the verification procedures. There is no appetite for this. COVID has completely collapsed as a national issue at this point. About four and a half percent last month told us that COVID was their number one issue. But interestingly, when we asked that all, you know, six months ago, if somebody told us COVID was their number one issue, and then we asked them the follow-up, which we do, uh, do you think that mitigation measures are too strict, not strict enough, or just about right? It did still tend to favor going into the Biden administration that they weren't strict enough. Now that has completely reversed in a lot of places around the country. People are over this. And if they choose coronavirus or vaccines or mandates, they're choosing it because it's their issue that they never want to see again. Don't ever tell me I can't eat at a restaurant if I'm not vaccinated. Your stuff didn't work, right? Um, or the kids. A lot of parents started to get afraid toward the end of this thing with these mandates that they were going to start mandating their children get this jab in order to attend school, public school. And that became a real heightened fear. And then Democrats must have saw that in the polls and they dropped it. You know, because they, everyone says the science changed. Science. I said from the start of this, the science never changed changed on masks or vaccines. Not really. The political science changed. You know, they got wiped out in a bunch of school board elections. They yeah. couldn't they couldn't get even strict referendums in in liberal places like New York. 
you know, so it just, the handwriting was on the wall. They better let it go or else they're going to be punished for it. Look one at Pennsylvania, the, by the one way. One of the Perfect. things we're seeing, though, is on the state legislative level, that there's yeah. a lot of, I mean, where, where this has kind of moved off the federal level, not completely. I mean, FDA still has to rule one way or the other five, five, uh, six months to, to five years. Um, but at, at the same time, and we expect that they're probably going to do something stupid and dangerous like that. But having said that, we're finding on the state level, there's pieces of state legislation that is so draconian that this is the, the emphasis is now moved down there. Are you finding that in Georgia? Uh, you know, I got to tell you that in a state like Georgia, that would be really tough uh, to move something like that. We have been contacted. We were, and I should point this out. We were basically the only ones who were willing to pull severe adverse effects, which we shared with you. Um, mm -hmm. And we, the CDC about a month ago, released a study that absolutely confirmed what we found, which was the younger you are, the more likely you are to report a severe adverse effect. And I'm not talking about something, you know, I got a major headache. You know, we use the same definition. Did it stop your daily activity? Did it prevent it? Did it, uh, did it interfere with it? The same definition. And the numbers were almost spot on, even though we only asked registered voters. There have been a lot of people who came now and asked us, can we look at that? Um, you know, and we're going to put this under our cap when the next wave comes along. And there are those who, again, stand up and try to push for these draconian policies. Uh, so I think you're going to see that in places, you know, blue places like California, where Gavin Newsom led the way. Uh, but in a more battleground state, I think they do that at their own risk, guys. I really do. I think they would be in grave, you know, yeah. it would be perilous to their political career to do that because, um, you know, before a year ago, when we started that almost a year ago now, we had people coming to us, at, you know, saying they went to other pollsters to fund projects like this and they wanted to do this research. Nobody would do it because they were afraid to get banned on someone's pollster scorecard or right. uh, smeared on Fox News. And it was, uh, it was disgraceful. Now, though, all of this time has gone by um, and it's becoming more acceptable to talk about. You know, when you have political leaders call us and say, hey, I saw a tweet three or four months ago. Can you send me that so I can take a look at it? I want this handy. Uh, you know, now that we have, by the way, government data that backs it up, I think it's just a different environment. They would be hard pressed to get something like that through. And again, like I said, the public is so over this. They are yeah. over this. I, I mean, it, well, they, I, I think yes, it would be among the dumbest thing you could do. Yesterday we did, we uh, covered, we live streamed the um, demonstration with Georgia citizens uh, who have yeah. been very active over the last year and a half, as well as um, the, the um, injured who came in from other states and they demonstrated in front in front of the CDC. I don't know whether the CDC took note of it or not, but we have that we have that uh, footage that's on the site as well. Rich, I, I know you got to go. Last question: um, We talked about race with Herschel. How does the black and Hispanic vote look in Georgia? Do you have any insight there? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, both Donald Trump and Herschel Walker are doing incredibly well among. Uh, the black vote in Georgia, which tends to be almost monolithically, um, you know, democratic. There have been, you know, these Southern states, North Carolina, Georgia, uh, not so much Mississippi and Alabama, but where Republicans used to do okay, 
And that stopped uh, in the, you know, the era of Mitt Romney. It went back to, you know, almost complete low single digit uh, dominance among Republicans. This is different. And and it, the Hispanic vote is a, is a whole other story. You know, we used to talk a lot about Florida was a different Hispanic population. And then uh, Texas now is starting to come, come around as well. I think probably all three of those districts in Texas and Southern Texas are gone to Democrats. I think they're going to lose those to Republicans at this point. But now we're seeing it in other places. We saw it in Virginia with Glenn Youngkin. Hispanic vote's not that big, but we still saw it. We are seeing it in some Southern states, and we're absolutely starting to see it now in places like the Central Valley out in California. Just amazing swing. I think the majority is still economically driven, but there's also beneath the surface this it's wokeness. They don't mm -hmm. like this, and it doesn't jive with their world with their worldview. It doesn't jive with their values, and they're still predominantly a religious group of people. And Hispanics, that is, and even uh, African Americans, by the way, you know, in a state like Georgia, it's sud they're Southern Baptists by big majority. You know, so mm -hmm. this idea that uh, you know men want to have babies, and uh, you know, we we're going to put the the sports athletes thing drives them nuts. Um, you know, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to them. Doesn't reflect who they are. So there's this gap. And typically, guys, the economic arguments Democrats made. Uh, definitely appeal to minorities. The problem they're having now is that there's a record they can compare. You yes. know, and it took uh, George Bush destroyed the Republican Party, but we shouldn't forget that Republicans did pretty well with Hispanics until George Bush came along and wrecked it all. He created the financial crisis that led Democrats to think that Demo uh, uh, led Hispanics to think that Democrats may have a better economic uh, game plan. You know, for the little guy than Republicans, but look what happened. And where are we now? Now inflation. the mask is off. Yeah. Yeah, the mask is off. And then it's between that and the wokeness, they just have they don't see anything there. Yeah. This was, by the way, in April, um, or March, excuse me, at the end of March when we did the national poll, we saw the Hispanic trending, you know, the Hispanic vote trending more and more Republican. In this last month, Donald Trump finally tied Joe Biden among Hispanic voters. So it had wow. been that Trump was rising. Biden was declining. Uh, the generic ballot is, is about, they're separated by about five points on the generic ballot, which is nothing, yeah. right? In recent elections, it was a 70-30 you know, split. We're not there anymore. That's, that's gone. It's Rich, a, thank you very joke. much. I know you have a hit at three o'clock, so... Uh... Thank you for your time. Well, I want to have time. you back on a, on a yeah. regular basis. But, yeah, let uh, me just say to you both, yeah. if you don't mind, let me just say right. to you both, speaking of those severe adverse effects uh, that we pulled, your interviews uh, you know, really had a big impact on me pulling the trigger on that and doing that because I knew we were going to get heat. But I'm, I, uh, your, your interviews with people who were injured by these vaccines were fantastic. And when I watched um, a lot of them um, – you know, I just didn't want to, it's just like, the more you listened, the, the less likely you could ignore it, you yeah. know, and I wanted to see how prevalent it really was. And, um, sadly, you know, I wish my suspicion was wrong, but it wasn't. Well, people can find us at CDTV on CDM.press under American. They're fantastic. Rich, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find out more about you, what you're doing, all of that big data poll, et cetera? 
Yeah, uh, definitely the public polling project uh, locals is is I would say the social home at this point. It's peoplespundit.locals.com. Anybody can become a member, but we give a lot to uh, supporters, right? So if people join up, they get they they get a lot of exclusive and embargoed content. Um, but also on Getter at People's Pundit on Getter, and I'm still on Twitter, unbelievably. Yeah. Oh, you won't be by the time by the time this year's over. I I don't. Think I know so. it. Unless Elon Musk can have anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, right. We'll see what he does there. Right. But yeah, yeah. we started definitely to to move to alternatives. I mean, guys, it it was the handwriting was on the wall. I would have been vaporized already if not for Tucker Carlson. So yeah. it was at that moment when we were like, got to move on, got to move on, got to reach people a different way. Well, maybe Musk will save it. Maybe. Yeah. Fingers crossed. He's got a vested interest now. Yeah. No thanks. kidding. Thanks, Rich. All Take right. care. See you thanks, soon. Rich. Bye. All the best, guys. All thanks. the best. So, Christine. Hey, our uh, favorite pollster. Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's been the most accurate for the last several cycles, which nobody wants to talk about outside of us and a few other organizations who will promote Rich. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not sure what happened with Garland. He hasn't shown up, but that's fine because we're almost near our hour anyway. I want to talk about a couple things. The Georgia Record will have its one-year anniversary in July. We hope to do something special for that. Mm -hmm. And people can go to the Georgia Election Integrity Series on cdm.press and on the Georgia Record and find 20-plus in-depth articles relating to election integrity and what's going on in the state of Georgia. We'll have Garland on most likely next week to talk about all the lawsuits he's got and also uh, what's happening with, you know, the, the, the people don't realize that the machines in Georgia were declared illegal by a judge in 20, uh, right before the election in 2020. And there's been no remedy for that. So we're going to delve into all of that. And uh, Christine, thank you. But we'll, we'll come back uh, next week, Sunday, same we will. We'll time. Be we'll be back, back every Sunday. This is nice hitting it off on Palm Sunday. Holy week. Gives us a blessing, hopefully, going forward. Exactly. Thank you, Christine. Take Thank care. Thank you.